Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Hello, Branches. (laughs) Um, Before I get started, I just want to let you guys know this like continues to be an honor for me to be able to share and kind of be a part of the teaching pro- process here um, at church. And um, so I'm grateful and excited and hopeful that you would hear from the Lord, but not from me. Um, I feel like the Lord's kind of been kind of laying this message on me um, for quite some time. So I'm excited to share it. Um, when Boog started this whole series on this space between for Lent, um, when I first heard it, I was kind of like, ugh, I do not enjoy quiet spaces <laughs> that much. I don't enjoy um, being in the in-between. And I felt like, why would anyone want to even like stay there? I just want to like run through it. Um, but as I've been thinking more and more about um, Lent and what it means, I've realized that we've actually been in a significant space for almost a year. Um, we've been in a place where we almost feel like, not like we're dying, but there's like a little bit of a dying happening within each of us. Um, I feel like in our entire nation as we're, um, being taken away from, you know, giving hugs to our grandparents or watching our kids do sports or just things that we brought us life, um, we aren't really able to do as much. And um, it's a difficult space to be in. I don't think I've talked to one person that is excited about what's been happening to us as we've been kind of pledging through this pandemic. So it seems appropriate now, as I've thought about it and really sat upon it, that this does correlate with our Lenten season. Um, Because Lent is, in many ways, a return to death. Ecclesiastes 3.20 says, "All All go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. In order for us to really know true life, we need to die to ourselves. There needs to be a rebirth. And with birth, there's a struggle for us to understand and be able to come into a new life. And so the essential questions that I think we're going to be talking about this week and or this today and, um, um, and kind of focusing on is what is the purpose of this space? Is there purpose in it? Does God see us? Do we stay in the space? How do we see God in the pain or in the stillness? Um, I recently just finished my master's degree, which I'm very excited about. It was very hard. (laughs) Um, And one of the focuses of of my thesis um, that I've studied and I will continue to study throughout my career um, is the determination that develops in a student that has been through struggle, that has been in a space they didn't ask for, that has 
overcome or been in poverty um, comes from a home that um, isn't like the typical home. And one of the things that was incredibly fascinating and amazing was around 98.6, to be exact, percent of the students that I studied um, coming from homes um, below the poverty level and, and enduring things that are unimaginable. <laughs> um, those kids that were given the tools to use their struggle and to understand the importance of rising above it developed a determination that broke cycles and allowed them to be incredible problem solvers um, with a persistence that you wouldn't find in a typical kid that lived in a home that didn't have challenges. And what we as educators have been really focusing on recently is the struggle and how important it is to let our students struggle and, and come to conclusions and find answers on their own. Um, and so <laughs> it's probably driven quite a few parents crazy and kids um, lately because we're proposing for our students to kind of really work hard through some really difficult things. Um, and we're not giving them the answers. We're, we're not showing them the way out. We're actually wanting them to feel that frustration and to sit in that space so they can really observe and figure out how they're gonna get through it. Um, and it's pretty incredible what they can do. I, <laughs> I am amazed with even my six-year-olds, what they come to realize as they know that every time they feel like they have to wrinkle their head or really lean in to figure something out, they're always like, I know my brain's growing. <laughs> I'm gonna be better because of this. And I feel like that is so, so similar to us spiritually. I feel like the Lord has, and I've seen in my own life and um, in the lives of some incredible people from the Bible, that the struggle has purpose. The space has purpose. So we're going to go ahead and look in the scripture um, at some of the chosen lives um, that got to be in the Bible that are there for us to learn from. The scripture is filled with stories of people who struggle, like really struggle. Not like our kind of struggle where we don't have enough toilet paper or we have to sit in our house for a few weeks. Um, big problems, <laughs> like tons of void, lots of space, dark wilderness kind of stories. Um, and I'm just gonna touch on them a little bit just so that we can kind of see over time and, and really focus in on the way that God has used these stories to kind of explain the importance of that space. I'm gonna start with Moses. Um, in Exodus, Exodus 2.23, right after <laughs> God first put the vision of Moses to see Israel led out of slavery, he, he gives him this vision. Moses was exiled to slavery or into the wilderness. Sorry, I don't want to get my facts all mixed up. Um, for 40 years to herd sheep. <laughs> and after a very long silent four decades. 
God finally appeared to him through a burning bush with the command to go. So he had to wait, knowing that he was the chosen one that was going to free these people and watch them suffer for four decades. That's a pretty big struggle to be able to see the incredible beauty of what God was going to do through Moses. But I often wonder, and I think so much, that Moses must have needed that time, that God was doing something in Moses. He had no idea what he was doing. But, but Moses trusted God through it all. And at the end, there was a major crying out to God after that time of people and of him. And everyone was clinging to God because they had nothing left. And God used that wilderness to free the Israelites. Samuel had anointed David as king in 1 Samuel 16, 13. This means, so David was chosen as this future king, this man after God's own heart by the most famous prophet alive at the time. And as soon as he was... <laughs> chosen to be this person, <clears throat> he was sent to be a shepherd, a shepherd's hand, no less, and a servant to his brothers. And during this time, he faced one of his greatest challenges in Goliath. God knew that David needed to sit in some space and to learn how to be a shepherd, <laughs> to guide his flock, to serve, to get dirty, and to understand what it meant to be completely and totally expectant upon the Lord doing something. He trusted him. His faith was built. The space is hard. The quiet is hard. The wilderness is hard. But during our hard, during our wait, God does something in us. And the things that need to die, they die. And life can start. Joseph didn't hear from God about Mary for months after he found out that she was pregnant. The betrayal he must have felt. After Mary became pregnant with the Messiah, both of them must have felt so, so sad. Mary understood the miraculousness of the conception in a way, maybe. She trusted God, but she also knew how much she loved Joseph. Why did God wait? Why didn't he just tell him right away? The humiliation they both felt, the loneliness, thinking that the one you love is a cheater? I, I mean, why would God do that? The dependence that Mary had and the understanding of her Lord during that time is incredible. Joseph was being prepared to be the father of the Son of God. During the time that they were waiting, God was preparing 
making sure that each of them were equipped for what was ahead. Then we come to Jesus in the desert, and that's the whole purpose of why we talk about Lent. And it, it's, it's really for us to understand that before the great, there needs to be a time where we set aside and figure out what needs to be changed within us, um, what we need to let go of so that we can be saved. The entire time that Jesus is in the desert, he is being offered all these different ways to be out. In a second, God could have rescued him. God could have rescued Joseph or Moses or David. He is their father. I mean, we are the children of God, but he didn't. Soon after Jesus's time in the desert, he began his ministry. He began to preach, gather his disciples, and soon die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected from the dead. The whole point of our salvation. Jesus's time in the desert taught him what it meant to persist, to struggle, and to know that no matter what, without a doubt, he serves his God and he loves his God and he will do whatever he calls him to, even if it means death. I think so much about each of these people and there's so many more stories. I could go on and talk about Paul. That was horrible how much time he suffered. But I think you get the point that each of these people are children, God's children. And God's purpose in all of that is so great. He gives us these times so that we can see and understand what God's glory really is when we come out of it. I think about my own children um, and when they were younger and even now, because this pandemic truthfully has been very, very challenging on our teens. And um, I've so many times just wanted to like, just rescue, pull them out of it. We see it with our own kids. Oh, he's not being nice to you. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go in there and I, I'm going to fix it. But what good would that do if I was to constantly go in and rescue my kids during their struggle? We need to be able to struggle. We need to have the space and the silence and the quiet so that we can understand what it, what it, what the point of being saved is, right? It's funny. I think no matter what the trauma or the suffering or the space, there's some sort of beauty in it. God can make even the worst situation, even the most 
horrible struggle or silence or space or time. He can turn it from ashes into beauty. Isaiah 61.3 says God can turn our ashes into a beautiful crown. I feel like our Lenten season is a bit of um, a burning of, of things, a getting rid of, a coming face to face with God and figuring out um, what needs to go so that we can bring in the glory. So now understanding your space or thinking about your space and being in it, do you just sit in it? Because I think about that a lot, like as the kids are struggling or as I'm struggling, I understand that God might have a purpose in it, but do I just sit there and think about it and dwell on it? I can't see myself doing that. I have a really, really hard time doing that. In fact, in my life, I've faced some really crazy, horrible challenges. Some, sometimes when I'm like, oh God, I don't really think I can walk through this. Um, the space can seem so confining. And sometimes we get stuck in it. We can't see beyond the silence. We can't see beyond the struggle. And we literally want to just curl up in a ball. And that's okay, because sometimes that's what we just do for a minute. But with every single time we have these things come in front of us, sitting and curling up in a ball and just putting the covers over your head, it's not going to get you anywhere. We aren't able to see what God might be doing in us. And sometimes we just have to start moving and we have to begin to go through the space because sitting in it and dwelling on the ugly will give us an inability to see the beauty that might be all around us. So how do we do that? And, and, and does God see us as we're doing that? Of course he does. Do we see our kids struggling? Of course we do. But if we can't see and look ahead, then we aren't going to be able to get through the space. Romans 8.18 is probably one of my top favorite verses ever. And it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us or in us. We have to be able to put our hands up, even if we think we don't hear, and, and, and grab hold of the God of the universe, grab hold of the people around us that we know will help us get through the space so that we can see the glory that might be right in front of us or in us, and so that God can use us 
and the things that we gain during our time in the space are exactly what we need so that we can show others this incredible glory, the patience, the faith, the hope, the persistence, the love, all of those things are developed when we struggle. And we make sure that we don't sit in it, but we move forward and we think of ways and we work with the God of the universe to help us through. Um, one of the key things um, that I want to make sure I don't end before I say is that um, we have two humongous tools being prayer and scripture. Um, actually, I should say three. And then the community around us, the body of Christ, our church. They are the greatest tools to kind of get us looking up and looking forward um, so that we can see the glory and the hope. And they will, just like Jesus used in the desert. I mean, he just claimed scripture after scripture after scripture, um, the word of, of God. And that's how he got through. I love this season um, of Lent. Even though I didn't like the description of the space, I realized the value of it and the importance of it. And I just pray that um, each of us would be able to see the purpose and that we would see God in our pain and our struggle. That we would be able to look above the ugly and see the glory and the beauty. Have an amazing Sunday branches.